Here we go. Episode 52 of the Hardline Sports Talk. I am Michael Merlo. I have John Michael Masiri right here. JM, how are we doing today? I'm doing great, Michael. I'm doing so well. Uh, still trying to wrap my head around the past weekend with all the football madness. Um, got a lot of opinions to, to throw out there. So I'm, I'm ready to rock. How are you? Oh, what a, what a weekend it was. I mean, you, can, you really can't ask for a better weekend in sports. I mean, probably the greatest week, maybe the greatest Sunday ever. Is yeah. that possible? And I, it, I think it was. I, and Saturday, too. And Saturday. I, I mean, four game-winning field goals. You can't really draw it up any better. Uh, well, besides, you know, the Titans-Chiefs, that was a walk-off in a different fashion. But, um, listen, we had a really bad weekend last weekend. So, right. This makes up for it and then some. Yeah, it's just I don't want to be I don't want to be disappointed this weekend. But it's like what what can you ask for? No. At this point, but it was fantastic. One of the better games we've seen in a very long time on Sunday night. The Chiefs and the Bills. The Chiefs ousted the Bills, forty-two to thirty-six. Big word for you, how a boy. Yeah, I know you like that word. My <laughs> vocabulary is getting up there a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Starting to learn some new words. Starting good, to good, learn good. where to place them too. There you but, go. Um, Obviously, you know, they, they win in overtime and we're going to have that discussion in a little bit about, you know, the overtime rule, how the Bills who played a phenomenal game, especially really from the 75 yard touchdown on were just rolling on offense. Um, they didn't get to possess the ball in overtime, and we're going to get to that in just a little bit. I just want to say to you, I'm very, very sorry, because whether or not you hit on your quarterback or not, I, Josh Allen. Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Lamar Jackson, Joe Burrow, Trevor Lawrence was supposed to be the next coming of Jesus Christ. Mac Jones has got uh, Bill Belichick to work with. And did I miss anybody? I mean, if Deshaun Watson figures out what the hell oh, right. going Desha- on, Ed, Deshaun Watson, add him to that list. I think uh, the I think the Steelers are going to be adding a quarterback. Uh, yeah, please, it's good. Thank <laughs> you, you. Know, thank keep- you. For thinking Keep the competition me. on that side of the NFC, you know, if the best quarterback next year is Matthew Stafford and Dak Prescott, please, we'll take it. Jesus Christ. Yeah. Uh, oh, God, I hate I hate the sound of what you just said. But yeah, I mean, I'm watching that game yesterday and, you know, I'm I'm, I'm talking to some of my roommates. I'm like, am I really crazy to say that Josh Allen may be better than Pat Mahomes or just as good? Be- listen, he can do anything that Mahomes can. And I think Mahomes has the better weapons around him. Listen, Josh Allen isn't short of a number one receiver in Stephon Diggs. He's phenomenal. But Pat Mahomes has one of, if not the best pass-catching tight end in NFL history at his disposal. And then you have Tyreek Hill, who's a freaking track star out there. We saw him break off that long touchdown yesterday. So, listen, do I think that Allen's situation is much worse? No. But he's more athletic than Mahomes is, right? He's a more powerful runner. He's a faster yes. runner than Mahomes More is. designed runs. Right. He has just as good of the escapability as Mahomes does, if not better. He can make just about any throw like Mahomes can. Now, does Mahomes show a little more kind of jello-ness in his arm? You know what I'm trying to say? Like, can he throw from maybe every single angle at any point off his foot? Yeah, can Allen do it to the same degree, maybe a slight tier below that, but the arm strength is toe to toe. Like I, I really think it's not a crazy statement to say that Josh mm-hmm. Allen is as talented as Pat Mahomes is. 
because it's so it's so close because you can't go wrong. They're both fantastic. And it just makes you think, number one, like especially with our teams, like what the hell are we doing? Because yeah. and, and how do you even expect to ever compete with these two guys? And number two, you know, we've seen Rogers and, and, and you know, Rogers has been debated. Is he the goat? Is he maybe the best of all time, the most talented of all time? And we're obviously going to get to him in a little bit. And Brady's the, you know, the most successful quarterback of all time, but the talent level, you know, like, listen, he's can't escape like Rogers. He can't throw on the run like Rogers. He's not even as accurate as Rogers. These two guys are like made in a factory. The, the, like I'm on the level. I've said this for a couple of years now with Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen with my own two eyes. It's, It's actually like, difficult to formulate words like i'm like speechless when i talk about these two because mm-hmm. it's like what are you doing and alan is getting to that level it's, it's almost like these two are made in a lab this is the perfect quarterback you'd want like alan especially with the, with his ability to just take the ball and run like designed run plays he, he, they're unbelievable right we listen we may not realize it right now but we are basically undergoing what people saw in 1925 when babe ruth was hitting home runs left and right and they never saw it before and all of a sudden everybody started hitting home runs and and the reason why i make that analogy is what were we so used to in the nfl right we're seeing all these guys retire your big bends your drew breezes your peyton mannings whatnot eli manning right all those guys i just said were pocket throwers right good quarterbacks but pocket throwers never really were you know, Ben was a big guy, he'd scramble once in a while, but, you know, n- nothing of guys you're seeing running around all day, throwing off platform, whatever. Rodgers is really special that way. And now, of course, there's guys in the NFL who have been there for a while, like Russell Wilson and whatnot. But all of a sudden, it's like they're pumping them out like a factory. Like Zach Wilson, for example, I'm not going to compare him to these guys, but his type of uh, prospect, right? He was... Look at his pro day, throwing off one foot and everything. That's what everybody's looking for now. Same thing with guys like, you know, uh, Trey Lance. That's what they love about him. But usually those guys come around once in a blue moon. But like I said, they're coming out like crazy now. You're expected to be able to use your legs and throw from any platform now. And if you're not, they're going to move on and look for someone else who can. And that wasn't the case for years. You, You didn't expect that out of your quarterback. You know, if you ran, that was a nice plus, but the 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 pocket passer uh, plus 5.2 40-yard dash quarterback rarely exists anymore. Mac Jones is the only one I can think that's been drafted high very recently. Yeah, it's, it's funny that we talk about Mac Jones and, you know, a few years ago, we might be talking about him as a, like, a star like a stud you know the big thing but it's not he's not the big thing Matt Jones would be the number one overall pick if if football was going on you know this was 10 years ago yeah but you're you're 100 right and now you have this rivalry this great rivalry with Allen and Mahomes now and I don't even know if I should call it rivalry but just great matchup for the fans how entertaining this is going to be for the next 10 to 15 years. These two guys battling out in the playoffs, whether it's the regular season, the AFC championship game, the divisional round, whenever you can get us this game, please do it. It it is just, it is crazy how ultra talented these guys are. And what was so impressive to me was the way 
both guys, no matter what, I mean, listen, both teams didn't really have a great pass rush last night. Nothing as dominating as, you know, like the, the 49ers were on Saturday. Or the Titans who still lost somehow. Yeah, I don't understand <laughs> that. But um, the way they were able to get out of the pocket, get out of sacks, you really don't see that. That's not normal. No. So uh, that was incredibly impressive you, by both of them. So, first of all, you got your little left AirPod in. I'm giving the over under 10 and a half minutes till that thing pops out. I'm keeping it in. I'm, um, I'm, I'm really hoping it stays in tonight. But there was one point yesterday during the game. I think it was it was definitely late fourth quarter. I don't remember which drive it was for the Bills. I think it was the drive when they were down 26-21. And Allen, it was like three straight plays where the right tackle got beat or the left tackle got beat, and he stepped up, ran around, stepped back, you know, whatever he did, it went on a little scramble drill and scrambled for 15 yards or threw a strike down the field. Like, it really is just – it looked like backyard football last night at one point, and that's what made it so exciting. I think about this, the two-point conversion play that Allen had. That was an unbelievable no, – And nobody's talking about how crazy that was. That was absurd. That really was. Um, what about yeah, the, fourth and, the fourth and four play – it was the first fourth down of that last scrambled. drive, and he scrambled. He faked somebody out, yep. and then two guys like, out. I think it was. Yeah, ran around and then went up the sideline and was yep. able to get the first. And down. he is—he's so tough to bring down. He's such a big guy. He's—he really is. You know, reminds me. He has more arm talent, which is crazy to say, um, than Cam Newton. But he reminds me of Cam Newton from his prime. I mean, just as gifted of a runner, I think, in my opinion. And I know mm-hmm. that might be a crazy statement, but no, it's not. I just think it, that comes down to the way Cam Newton was used. He didn't have the arm talent that Josh Allen did, so they relied more on his legs. But Josh Allen doesn't have to rely on his legs as much. You know, he can also make every throw that there is. Um, but, he, yeah, he really is something special. I was wrong about him. I mean, the Jets were in a position to pick him four or five years ago, whatever it was. I didn't really want him. I wasn't crazy about the whole, honestly, part of why I didn't want him is because he was such a raw prospect and I didn't trust the Jets organization to develop in, into a good player. Right and you're not, now, you're not wrong. I've messed it up, but you went to the perfect situation. Right. And listen, I think that's, that's the way it is. Sometimes I don't think teams are necessarily wrong or right about prospects or media is wrong or right about people. I think, you know, if guys are put in the right situations, they thrive. And if they're not, they fail. So we were talking um, about this last week with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes went to the absolute perfect situation with, you know, a Hall of Fame coach, Hall of Fame talent around him. You know, the ability to sit here and learn under a, a nice veteran and Alex Smith. It all worked out perfectly for him. If, he, if the Giants drafted him, if the Eagles drafted him, the chances that he would have been great. Are, I mean, I think eventually we would have saw something from him, but not this quick and not this dominant. No. Definitely not. And uh, yeah, we're, we're still yet to mention the the star of the night last night. And that's Gabriel Davis. Um, I looked at the numbers this morning. He would have, if it was fantasy, he would have put up 56.1 fantasy. Wow. Uh, eight for two Oh one and four touchdowns. I mean, where the hell did that come from? That broke a record that went unnoticed, broke a record for most receiving touchdowns in a game. Yeah. Oh, another thing we'll get right back to the game, but this just came to my head. The sports books absolutely cleaned up this weekend. Like mm-hmm. cleaned up. I would I'll tell you right now, I put him I had the most embarrassing weekend of my life, I think, in terms of betting. I put in a hundred dollars worth of bets. I, I'm retiring, by the way. I'm I'm not You're I'm, done. No, I'm announcing my retirement. Wow. Um a hundred dollars worth of bets and not a single one hit. 
And now, so I put in a couple straight bets, but a lot of them were parlays. So you might be like, oh, Jan, don't beat yourself up about it. Like they're parlays. I had a five leg parlay, not a single leg hit. And that was the same game parlay. And I had a three leg parlay of just money lines and not a single one of those hit. I got every single game wrong. I said the Packers, Titans, Bucks, and Bills were going to win. Well, every game wrong. Just not to go off track, but the, everybody had these future bets, the te- the teasers, whatever they had. They probably teased the Packers, you know, just yep. to win maybe or Packers money line at a parlay. Done. Gone. The sports Gonzo. definitely made their money back. They the had game. they had a weekend for sure. And the, the Rams definitely, eh, you know, the, the two games on Sunday – we're kind of closer than you thought, but definitely Saturday. They cleaned up on Saturday. Um, we were talking the overtime. Now let's get to the overtime because first of all, we didn't even mention the fact that Patrick Mahomes went in 13 seconds right down the field, kicked the game winning, and then led Harrison Bucker to kick a game winning field goal. We didn't even get to that yet. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about the fact that Leslie Frazier had his defense playing the sidelines on those whatever plays to me that is mind-boggling they have three timeouts and you're giving them no a whole middle of the field and the second thing they kicked the oh, with the 13 seconds after they score the touchdown they kicked the ball right you know out of bounds you know to the whatever the goalpost why are you doing that the the, the play should have been not to squib it but to kick it so that it right. falls high even a 15 15 to goal line hopefully, right. or 15 to five around there so that they have to receive, they have to retrieve it and run a little bit. If they slide down, they're sliding down at the 15 right, or 20 yard line and you take time off. Cause there's 13 seconds on the clock. So you figure, you know, a kickoff is going to take at least three seconds off by the time, you know, he catches it and it gets tackled. So that brings you to 10 seconds. It's going to be really hard for a team to go. Let's say the return, you know, it was a little bit of a short kick. They got to the 30, 35, it's going to take, you know, that that gives them 30 yards to gain to get in the field goal range. So to get 30 yards in 10 seconds and then on top of that have a field goal to make, so that's three plays, that's not really mathematically possible, honestly, with the clock. So, yeah, I agree. I mean, they would have had one play instead of two if they did do that kickoff, but that's what happened. And I'm kind of one of those people with the philosophy in those situations as uh, in a, from a defensive perspective where I know you want to play it safe, but if you're just playing your normal defense there, what are the odds that you're going to give up 40 yards like they did within 10 seconds? You know what I mean? Like, I don't say get stupid and play cover zero and put seven guys in the box or whatever, but, you know, uh, uh, get your guys five yards off the line of scrimmage, not 15, and standing back there doing cover four. That's too much. You know what I mean? I think they were worried about either Hill or somebody breaking taking off. the top off or breaking one out, you yeah. know, the crossing route and taking it like he did, you know, in, in the fourth quarter. Listen, you, you can't do that. That cannot happen. I just – I can't, I still can't believe that they were playing the boundary and they weren't – like they gave up – the whole middle of the field. See, to me, that, that is, is what is crazy. That's mind-boggling. The whole playing the boundary thing makes absolutely no sense because, A, they don't have any – they already have timeouts, so why would they need to get out of bounds? And, exactly. B, if you just look at it from a common-sense perspective, they're going against the clock. Why would they go to the boundary if that's the furthest way they have to throw the ball 
or the furthest spot they need to get to. That's going to take more time off the clock. The middle of the field is way quicker to get to. What sucks for Josh, what sucks for Josh Allen is that, you know, two, you know, mistakes there coaching, whether it was the kickoff, whether it was the way they were playing defense and then a coin flip ended up deciding the fate of their season and his season. And that's what sucks. And that's who I feel bad for. Yeah. Now we're going to talk about this overtime. Obviously we know, we know the deal, you know, last time this, you know, there's been so much uproar about the overtime and, and how it's played was when the chiefs were not able to possess the ball in the 2019 AFC championship game. Tom Brady went down the field, scored a touchdown. They go to the Super Bowl, and Mahomes didn't get to touch it. And now we're dealing with the same thing. All just Mahomes was able to have the final say. He wins. And I thought Allen handled it very well after the game. You know, he was just saying that was the rule. And, and you know, he said what he had to say. You know, I, I know we're going to disagree here. I kind of actually fall right down the middle. Because, listen, this is the rule, right? They have these rules in place. You may not agree with them, but, you know, you you have a defense. You have the number one defense. And while I agree they should probably – and, again, I fall down the middle. I, you know, it, it's very weird here. I agree in the postseason you should possess the ball because that coin flip should not have, you know, have the fate of your season, you know, but your defense does have to step up and make a play. Yeah, um, me and you definitely fall different on this. I am not down the middle. I'm very much on the side of I can't stand the overtime rules. I haven't for a really long time. That game that you just talked about, the Pat Mahomes-Tom Brady AFC Championship from a couple of years ago, that really opened my eyes to it where I I just felt like the game was stolen from the Chiefs in a way or maybe stolen from the fans because, you know, it, it, they didn't get a fair opportunity to retaliate and come back or, or whatever. So... Yeah, um, that was an amazing game last night, and I wake up this morning, and I, I had that kind of bad taste in my mouth of, man, that's not the way that game should have ended for the way it was going. The Bills, you know, nobody, both defenses were gassed. Nobody was stopping either offense, and it's just a shame the, the Bills never got to come back and, you know, even up the score because I think that's the way it should be. It's fair, and, you know, I saw this analogy today. And it makes a lot of sense. Um, it was comparing it to baseball and saying, imagine an extra inning game where the road team scores a run in the top of the 10th and the game's over. And that's really what happens. You know, the, the, the home team never got the chance in baseball terms to come back and put up a run of their own. So I think that's, that's what it is. And I know I like to use this term a lot. Uh, the NFL is half pregnant in this sense because why would you change the rules of overtime for the playoffs where you make it 15 minutes instead of 10 and you give them three timeouts instead of two, but you're not going to change the whole scoring formats and everything. Because to me, that whole rule they have of the first touchdown scores and whatever, that's to prevent ties. Right. Right. Um, but there's no ties in the playoffs. It's impossible. They'll go to double overtime, triple overtime, wherever the hell they need to go. So I'm of the opinion of, why not let them just play a full quarter like normal? Um, I think that's fair for both teams. It takes the whole effect of the coin toss out of it a little bit. I mean, the team who receives still has the advantage in that scenario, but it's a way less significant advantage. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I just feel like we were, for such a great game that we watched, we were kind of given a little bit of a cliffhanger, in my opinion. That's the only solution. 
playing a full quarter, whatever it is, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, whatever you want to do. And the winner of that quarter is the winner of the game. If there's, if there's you need overtime after that, then we can discuss, you want to have, you know, a double overtime. Would it be the same thing? Same amount, you know, 10 minute quarter, 15 minute quarter, or then would you want to do sudden death? I don't know, but I'm with you there. It would have to be another quarter for me, like a full quarter, not, right. Oh, they get the ball and then they score. They win like the back and forth, the college rule. I don't like the college. I don't, rule. yeah, I don't think that would work. I don't know how much I love that. Wouldn't work here. It's fine in college. Leave it there. It's, you know, it's, confusing and stupid leave it there leave the you can leave the whole regular overtime rules that they have right now you can leave those in the regular season i'm still not crazy about them but i'll sign that deal if you just make the postseason one like we're saying a normal quarter i mean and that may honestly that makes sense too just to leave this rule in the regular season yeah you know again you're you want to avoid a tie in the regular season nobody likes to see ties um, you don't and really want those guys playing for that long. I think a, 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 another point that the NFL will make when they're defending their rules is saying, you know, they don't want these games to go on forever, which like I'm saying in the regular season, sure. I get that. But in the playoffs, you're telling me the entire nation didn't want to see another hour of that game, at least last oh night. My God, of course. I mean, that's what everybody was wanting to see. So I think this is what's going to get them. I think, I think this time they'll have it. They'll, they'll have so. the, 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 some, the chance to change it. Right. They, they have to vote. The team the vote. Something needs to happen with outrage. Like that. What happened with that pass interference in the Rams saints game about three years ago when they made pass interferences challengeable, which was like the worst phase of the NFL that I can I can't believe that actually happened. That was the most annoying thing ever. You remember like every freaking game, there were like three challenges for pass interference. Yeah. Um, that, that I'm happy we're out of that now. Yeah. But this is a rule change. Uh, this is a reaction to an event that I would like to see for a rule change. I, and I think, I really think we're going to get it this time. Uh, we could talk about this game for hours, but we're going to, we're going to stop here and we're going to go over and we're going to talk about our buddy, Aaron Rodgers and the San Francisco 49ers, uh, the San Francisco 49ers with a gutsy, gutsy win in green Bay on Saturday night. They beat the Packers. Um, I'm I'm gonna say this this 49er team, and I didn't really you know I don't remember too much about the 2000, 2007 Giants, and I heard somebody else say it, but it's true they are the 2007 Giants, you know, yeah. in in modern time. Yeah, um, I don't hate that comparison. Um, 2007 Giants had that infamous win in Dallas against that one seed Tony Romo team. And, you know, they just went against Aaron Rodgers and number one seed Green Bay Packers in zero degree weather and and pulled off that upset. And they did also beat the Cowboys in uh, Dallas. So yeah. I don't hate that comparison. Um, is and Jimmy- if Tampa would have if Tampa would have won, they would have beat Tampa and yeah. beat Tampa in the first round. So that would have been funny, actually. I didn't even think of that. Is Jimmy G having, you know, is it exactly the 2007 Giants? Is Jimmy G having the postseason that Eli was having? No, I mean, he hasn't even thrown a touchdown yet. But Eli was slightly better, but I love Eli. Eli's, Eli's 2011 run was significantly better. That was when he Much threw like nine touchdowns and one interception or whatever that was. Eli was very good in the 2011 run. Yeah. The first one, you watch, you rewatch that Super Bowl. Oh, boy. Yeah. But yeah, this Niners team is—they are across the board 
talented. Like they don't have a single personnel group on that team where you look and you're like, ah, it's kind of weak. I mean, O-line, Trent Williams, receiver, Debo Samuel, tight end, George Kittle. You go to the defense, that line, they have Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa. Then they have uh, Fred Warner in their linebacking core. Then you go to their secondary, Jimmy Ward's a great player, Jarquiski Tard. Like, they have some really, really good guys on that team everywhere. Um, And they're just a fundamentally sound, like, very old-school built football team. And sometimes that's all you need. You don't necessarily need that gunslinging quarterback if you have the offensive line with the run game and you have that pass rush, that, that defense, that yeah, that pass rush that is. To me, that's the most most important part of their team. You know what happened in the Packers game was you take away that Aaron Jones play, which was a bit of a freaky play. There were no big plays in that game for the Packers yeah. at all. They were like, "We're not letting you beat us downfield." We'll give you Devontae Adams' little six-yard out routes, his little hitches and whatnot, where they're not letting them take the top off the defense. And that's why they won the game. And then, yeah, like we, like you just said, that pass rush. Pass rush for defense is number one. It opens up everything else. It really does. It makes your secondary better. They don't have to cover for that long. Yep, and you get to put more guys in coverage. It's you stop the run game more when you have a really good defensive line. You stop the run game. It's they rushed four most of the night, just about. Yep. And listen, you know, you know how I feel about Aaron Rodgers, and the special teams killed him in that game. They had the blocked field goal and the blocked punt, which was a touchdown. I can't blame the special teams. Like, yes, they did. They, they did what they did. They've been terrible all year, and they were terrible in that game. You put up seven. You put 10 points. You scored 10 points, one touchdown. Um, you want to be the MVP. You want to be considered one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You can't score 10 points at home. That's on Aaron Rodgers and the offense, on you know Matt LaFleur, whoever you want to blame it on. That's on the offense. That's not on the special teams. If they would have scored 28 points and they lost by three and the same thing happened on special teams, fine. Blame the special teams. You scored one touchdown. I don't want to hear it. And he looks like he's on his way out. He, you know. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered now with the Packers. Um, Listen, they had this special teams problem the entire season, and it was kind of that piano hanging over their head, waiting for it to drop, just saying, I hope the special teams doesn't shoot them in the foot and end up costing them their season. And that's what ended up happening. So, yeah, the, the point you just made, I mean, we've talked about Aaron Rodgers numerous times on this show. You are of, in the position where you respect his game or whatever, but you're not a big fan of him. Um, I like both sides of him. I like, well, yeah, to a certain extent. he's He acted like a real douche this past weekend. But um, this is something I can't defend him on. He, they went out, they drove down the field easily the first drive of the game, and then since then they scored three points. And he missed a couple throws. He got bailed out on a couple throws by Devontae Adams, making some nice sliding grabs and whatnot. Um, the throw to Aaron Jones was not an easy throw, but that's a throw Aaron Rodgers usually makes um, for a touchdown. But Jones had to turn around, slow up a little bit, and didn't end up scoring. And the Packers, that field goal, field goal ended up getting blocked, um, which ended up costing them the game when you think about it. But I can't defend Aaron Rodgers here. This was not a good performance by him. Um, Like you said, if their defense blew it for them, if he put up four touchdowns, 28 points, whatever, um, 
then we could have that that talk defending him and whatnot, but did not have a good game. And is that his last game as a Packer? It, it certainly could be. There are times where you could defend him 100% where it was not his fault, where the defense just completely screwed him or, or other situations. This is on him. I mean, it, this, this performance to me, legacy-wise, he takes a hit here. He really takes a hit. If he won this Super Bowl, in my eyes, and I think in a lot of people's eyes, I would have really had him right there, one A, one B, as the greatest of all time. I, to me, Super Bowls aren't huge on the list. So, like Rogers having two and Brady having seven, I would have said, well, Rogers was the more dominant player. But his inability here to beat the 49ers and even just get to the Super Bowl, and we said it all year. We said it for the last two months. He has to get to this one. He, he has to at least get to it. And he couldn't do it. And I'm saying him because this one's on him. Right. And, you know, it's always a struggle when you think about it with how much of this goes on the quarterback. What do you who's to blame for this? And we always want to point to the quarterback, right? Because that's the most important position in sports. That's that's who wins the MVPs. That's who gets the highest salaries and whatnot. Um, so, yeah, I think a big deal of the blame needs to go on him. But, you know, something I'm, I've realized over these past couple of years, and I saw it with Pat Mahomes last year in the Super Bowl, and I saw it with Tom Brady last night, is if you want to be a multiple Super Bowl winning quarterback, you need so many things to fall in the right places for you. And, you know, it, it doesn't happen for a lot of people. For Tom Brady, it happens all the freaking time somehow. I mean, yesterday the Rams were trying to lose that game at one point. I mean, literally. Um, but, yeah, do I think Rodgers should get a big bulk of the blame for that game? Yes. Do I think the fact that I don't want to come out here and start making all these excuses for him, but I think some of them are valid to a certain extent. Um, do I think he wishes he had David Bakhtiari for that game? Hell yeah. Um, do I think he wishes that, I don't know, he, his freaking weapons were a little better? Probably, but it's still not good enough. You know, like it's, it's, it's on him. Um, you know, things have to fall in place. I agree. Just like any championship run. It's just funny that seven times it, it fell into Tom Brady's place, you know, twice it fell into Eli Manning's freaking place where he went to Lambeau Field twice and beat them. It's it's strange. It's, it's really it's hard. strange. It's, I know, it's hard to defend at this point. I know it because you, you know, like you just said, seven times really. Um, and Brady came over to, to, to Tampa and did it in his first year. Listen, Tom Brady is no doubt one of the best quarterbacks that I've ever seen take away all the rings and whatnot, just the ability to perform on a football field. Right. Yeah. He's really good. Is he the best I've ever seen? No, but you know, when you're paired with a really good head coach, what this isn't his fault. It's just, he's been an amazing in amazing situations when you're paired with the best head coach and don't ask me how I know this. I'm a nerd. I look up this stuff all the time. When your average defensive rank in new England for your entire time, there is 6.7 out of 32. That's pretty freaking good um, compared to Rogers 15.2, I think it was, or something like that. That moved up this year, though. Yeah. Um, and then Brady to be able to come to Tampa Bay and have the number one defense last year, too, with the number two defense. It really is crazy, the, the great situations that that guy has been in. But 
he also performs. So good for him. But you got to give him credit because yeah. you know you can you can everything could fall into place like it looked like it was for the Packers this year, and it doesn't happen. And that's and listen, it didn't fall into place for Brady this year. He lost. You know his offensive linemen were banged up. You know, the defense was banged up all year, and they, you know, were f- falling like flies the past two games. Mm. It didn't happen for them, and, and, it, and it came to an end early. But it, it is tough to defend. By the way, D'Amico Ryans, we didn't bring him up. D'Amico Ryans, the defensive yeah. coordinator for the 49ers. That, that guy better get a job. Are you kidding me with that performance? Yep. I mean, it helps when you have a great pass rush. But like you said, they did not let them beat them with big plays at all. And and Aaron Rodgers' last throw, possibly as a Packer, uh, he threw it into double coverage to um, Devontae Adams. I think he had Alan Lazard, you know, like yeah, 10, wide yards open. in front of him, wide open. He missed him. And, you know, while we're on Rodgers and, and the possibility of him leaving, if he does leave and he, you know, I don't know what his situation is. If he's, I mean, I've been, I've been told, you know, by a couple of people that I did another show with today, he, can elect free agency and leave on his own. I've also seen that he could, you know, get traded. If he gets traded, they're trading into the AFC. And if he leaves, great. He's staying in the NFC a hundred percent. Now it's a question of what team does he oh, go right. to? Right. If he has if the he choice in the to NFC, pick a team, he's yeah. not going to the AFC. No, he'll stay. Why the hell would he want to do that? Um, Unless you know, two teams were brought to my attention though in the AFC. That makes sense. Denver? No. So Tennessee. And, and I've said this for a while, Pittsburgh. I, yeah. I've said Pittsburgh. Denver makes sense to me, too. Denver makes no sense to me. How come? I mean, Denver's got a pretty decent roster in place right now. Some nice weapons. Why Why would he want to go play in the same division as Justin Herbert and, and Patrick Mahomes? I don't know. And, and Derek Carr. You know. Um... To be honest with you, I think if this doesn't end up, you know, if this is Rogers' last game as a Packer, I really think he's just going to retire. You think so? Like I would, he's the type of guy where he would just walk away. He'd go on the Pat McAfee show full time. He'd do Jeopardy, <laughs> whatever, and and that would be it. Like I, I think he he's at that point where he just doesn't care anymore, and he can live without it. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I think he's gonna want one or two more years on a different team. I, I, it's something about him. He's a weird guy. Hey, if he comes to the Giants, I'll love him. Uh, but he's not coming here. No. Uh, let's shift over to another quarterback who, I mean, to me is shocking, and, and you don't believe it, and, and I don't. Um, Brady's flirting with retirement here. I never thought we'd see the day. Uh, by the way, if if he does retire. Tampa is the perfect spot for, for Aaron Rodgers, but that's a discussion yeah. for another day. Oh my God. Can you perfect imagine? Spot. Yeah, it must be nice being a Bucks fan if that happens. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm shocked by the news too. We, we keep hearing Brady's going to play till he's 50, and I believe it. Uh, I still believe it, honestly, at this point. Uh, so do I. I don't, I would be shocked if he did retire. Now, I saw those quotes from his podcast or whatever. Which, you want me to read them quick? Yeah, they, the, the, go ahead. They're definitely, uh, Concerning, I guess. Tom Brady on his Let's Go podcast about his wife and family and football. It pains her to see me get hit out there. They're talking about Giselle. Maybe Giselle has a say in it. And this was the one that really got, I read the wrong quote. 
Um, I said this a few years ago. It's what relationships are all about. It's not always about what I want. It, it's what we want as a family. And I'm going to spend a lot of time with them and figure out in the next, I, why can't I read right now <laughs> and figure out in the future what's next. So yeah, uh, listen, it's strong words. That sounds like, Hey, I'm definitely thinking about this. Um, yeah, that would be definitely a big shock to me. The bucks. I don't know where they would go from there. Um, now Aaron. is he a free agent technically? Cause I thought he only signed a two year deal. He signed an extension. So he has, he has he a year. He signed a one year. Yeah. So he he's there. I'm, okay. I'm not even, you know what? After reading that now out loud, he's not leaving. I don't think he's leaving either. He's staying. I think if he won the Super Bowl this year, maybe he would, he would do he it. He would have left. He would have left. Well, he's got to go out on top. I, I, yeah. I think or, he's come back. At least he, I think he's a guy that likes to, I, I think he'd want the retirement tour. That's what so. I was going to say too. I think he would want that whole attention thing. I mean, he deserves it honestly, but so he, so he'll, so this will be the, he, the rumors out now he wants to retire. He'll announce he's coming back. This is and it. Last it's going to be forever. like hovering over it. Is this actually it? This yeah. probably is it. And whether or not he wins or loses, it'll be in the playoffs. So if he right. wins it all, it's perfect. If not, you know, he goes out. But, with a nice uh, okay, stand. I actually like the point you just said because now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think he would want, like Jeter did, like to officially say he's retiring because he's the type of like lunatic competitor where I think that would piss him off if everything, you know, they always say players who are retiring, it, sounds, it feels like they're playing at their own funeral kind of a yeah. thing. I don't think he would want that happening where he's getting ceremonies and stuff and all this media coverage asking him about retirement. The media coverage will be there. The media coverage will be there, but as long as there's not that, that confirmation that he's definitely retiring, it won't be as bad. No, it'll be like, it'll, it'll be like, it'll be drama. Yeah. Like, do we get the answer to this question? Yeah. Hopefully it's not answered until the end. But um, let's talk about the game because the Bucks did lose. They did lose to the Rams, thirty to twenty-seven. Um, like you said, the Rams really tried to lose this game. Uh, the Rams were up twenty-seven to three at one point. Um, you know, a couple of fumbles from Cam Akers, a fumble by Cooper Cup. Oh, it almost fell out, but it didn't. A fumble <laughs> by Cooper Cup. A uh, bad snap, which went you know right by Stafford. He wasn't looking, and the Bucks are in the game. They they have the game tied at twenty-seven with you know, uh, what was it? 42 seconds to go yep. and Sean McVay, Sean McVay and Matt Stafford say, screw it. We're going for this thing. We're winning this damn game and a couple of big plays to Cooper cup and they kick a game winning field goal. Matt Gay. Uh, it was, uh, it was very interesting and I thought he was going to pull it out. I don't know about you. Yeah. I, it got to that point where you were, even when it was like 27, six or 27, 13, you were just like, Oh God, like you just had that feeling. Um, but I kind of want to go back to the point that I made when I was talking about the bills in that two minute, in that 13 second drill. And, you know, why don't you play your normal defense there? If you're Los Angeles, right? You're up 27 to six at the start of the fourth quarter. Your offense is running pretty, pretty smoothly. Do you really need to take your foot off the gas pedal? I understand you want to milk as much clock as possible, but 
what happened? They, they were on and off the field in two seconds, it seemed like. Three and outs. They, they had their fumbles, which, you know, pass or running, you can't – doesn't really matter. You need to protect the football. But if you just go out there like normal and run your offense, does it get that close? I know it's a little risky, but if you have the confidence in your team to do it, why not? Well, they did the same thing against the 49ers in the Week 18 game. Yeah. They took their foot off the gas pedal. And they almost they, they 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 do lose the game. They go to overtime. They lose the game. You're 100 right. He got all conservative and ultimately let them right back in the game. Because when you go, when you're not running your offense and you're you know you're just trying to kill the clock, any big mistake there kills you even more than it does if you're you know going for it and still taking right. your shots and moving the ball down the field. And what are, what are the shot? What's the shot that you're going to get multiple first downs, just running the ball over and over again on that run. Very, very slim. And, you know, uh, running the ball over and over again on three downs takes about uh, two minutes off the clock. So you know, you're, you want to take a little more than two minutes off. So that's kind of my point where I'm saying, why not just run the offense like normal? Maybe don't go air raid, but you know, a little run, a little play action, a little whatever. The Bucks dug themselves such a hole, though, where um, it was it was enough for uh, the Rams to hold on. And the offensive line for the Bucks was interesting. Wurfs was out. Jensen was playing back, banged up. The backup for Wurfs got hurt. And, you know, Donovan Smith on the left side didn't do Brady any favors either. Uh, Bob Miller was in his face all day, stri- you know, strip sack, uh, fumble. So um, that was – they recovered it. That was, you know, very impressive. I thought the defense, especially, they, they stepped up and played well. And then, you know, you go into prevent defense and, you know, really, I don't know why they did that, but whatever. It was. It, it, it the Ramsey Evans play was insane. That was. Yeah. That was. And Tom Brady was not playing well in the fourth quarter there. I mean, like I said, there were multiple. And. It's not all on him. The offensive line was getting beat up by that amazing Rams pass rush, like you just said, with the Von Miller strip sack. But he wasn't really playing all that well. But that throw to Mike Evans was an absolute dot. It was a real – I think Mike Evans, somehow he's still underrated. I he, agree. He's been one of the most consistent receivers in the NFL for, like, freaking eight years at this point. Yeah, since he's came into the league. Yards after 1,000 yards over and over again. Led the league in touchdowns this year. Um, but and he's a, you know, being a red zone target just because you're big, like you still have to make the play. And he always yeah, makes a play. He he's zone. got great footwork. And he did a really nice job yesterday of getting his body in the right position to kind of box out Ramsey from being able to make a play on that ball. He did a really good job of that. Um, so, yeah, he, he's a very good receiver. They would, it would kill them if, I mean, it doesn't matter now because they're out of the playoffs, but it would have killed them if they lost him because he, they were down to just him. You know, we know about Antonio Brown and uh, Chris Godwin was out for the right. So, yeah, um, really freaking good game. Cooper Cup is an absolute dog. I mean, can we please mention, you know, stop calling this guy overrated? And I think he's over. I think he's people say he's overrated for certain reasons that I don't really want to say on the show, but uh I think he kind of deserves credit where credit's due. He's unbelievable. He's, he's unbelievable. His run after catch ability is unbelievable. And the way he's he's always open, no matter what. He's always open. And I haven't seen him 
I mean, I don't think I've ever seen him drop a ball. He is no. so he's great hands, so consistent. And I mean, you know, if you've ever heard him talk after the game, getting interviewed, he's a nerd. He's yeah, a freak. He he's a legit nerd. So he is, um, he's very impressive. And, you know, I, I always say Trent Williams should, should win offensive player of the year. But, um, and I know postseason really has nothing to do with it, but it's going to be cup. And he, I mean, both of them really deserve it, but it, you know, cup and Trent Williams have been that good this season where you could give it to both of them. Yeah. Um, I, I like the fact that we're giving Lyman recognition, but let's not, let's not throw them in the offensive player of the year category. Let's throw them in a different category with, Let's give him an award. Why what's the, what's the award? Where's the NFL Martone award? Like, where is that? Why? Is yeah. That I mean, I went back to back to back with that. Oh, yeah. I'm sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> but, um, yeah, Cup has just been that good all season, and he, he showed up. He showed up yesterday. How many yards he ended up having? 181, I think. Nine for 181. Yeah, he is. Um, he's special, and I'm excited to see what he does. Actually, credit to Matthew Stafford, right? I mean, he gets killed, yeah. You know, for years, for and years, that was and an years unbelievable years. throw. They were the last throw, yeah, it was a dot. And you want to talk about coaches effing up? What the hell was Todd Bowles doing, sending an all-out blitz? Yeah, and not everybody blitz. Yeah, on that last play, I, uh, you know, it's just. I mean, you could be coaches. That, that that's how it was I thought they out. were gonna honestly after that incompletion. Um, I thought they were just going to kneel it out. You know, Good thing they didn't. I was not going to be surprised if they just handed it off or whatever. I'm like, all right, let's get to overtime. Did you have the Bucks or the Rams in this game? I had the Bucks. So, so did I. Huh. I had a nice same game parlay, though, in this one. At least I cashed out Packers' money line for $2.24 when Robbie Gold was lining up for the game-winning field goal. Hey, you make your money back. That spared me. Make a little money back. No, this was an absolute. I I don't think this. Listen, this weekend was rare. Like that never really happens with all these underdogs winning or whatever. But I'm not touching FanDuel for a while. Listen, I had a nice weekend. I had the same game parlay. You know, I hit the 49ers money line and spread. But um, I was four yards away from Byron Pringle from hitting my fourth straight oh. same-game parlay in the NFL for $371. Oh, Four yards away from Byron freaking Pringle. But uh, whatever, Byron's the boy. <laughs> and, uh, you know, maybe maybe he'll send me some some money. I'll, I'll, I'll screenshot it to him. I'll say, couldn't get four more yards, man? Yeah, I'm sure he'd Four really more yards. That. Yeah, send me like 500 bucks, no problem. Uh, the last game, which, which goes, you know, kind of gets forgotten about i mean i'm not gonna lie to you i didn't watch much of it neither did i i was out i didn't get home until the fourth quarter i didn't really get to see much of it you weren't out watching the game well i was at okay so we got we go to chili's right yeah sketchy first of all chili's hot like i haven't been there in so long it's the bottomless nachos or whatever chips and dip that's hot yeah nine bucks for the whole table bottomless chips and dip they put the thing out there you eat it in 90 seconds because we're all starving they do it like four times you get the bang for your buck but (laughs) i get there i'm like hey can you put the the titans game on the tv and the guy's like yeah yeah 
Five minutes goes by, nothing. They're showing Yankees classics. I'm like, there was the Aaron Boone game when he hit the walk-off against the Red Sox. I'm like, okay, this wow. is nice to watch, but I want to watch Titans. Bengals right now. We asked three more times. Never, game never got put on. So one of my friends had the game on his phone leaning up against the salt shaker or whatever. I couldn't really see it. So, so it, was a, it was a mess. It was a mess, yeah. But that's, that's, very, that's very unfortunate. I did watch the highlights, and I did read up on the game or whatever. I have a massive problem with Mike Vrabel going for two there. I, I don't – Yes. The first score of the game. I understand, you know, oh, we, we're, we're getting close. There was a penalty. We got to the one instead of the two. Or the odds of us getting the two-point conversion there are higher, whatever. It's a 6-6 game. Take the lead. Stop getting so greedy. Just take the freaking lead. And they ended up losing by three points. The game was tied there at the end. If, if they have a one-point lead, it's it. there are a lot of things that could have changed. No, I agree with you. Um, you know, from what I heard all day today, Mike Grable was getting killed, killed for that. And, um, you know, being up one and being up two, you know, we kind of – we talk about it all the time when you're going for two. You know, being up one and being up two is – Almost the same. It's basically the same thing. Going mm-hmm. up three, yes, obviously it's different. You know, the, the field goal ties it, doesn't win it. Going up one point, just go take the lead, take your point. Yep. So, um, I agree with you. I thought I was dumbfounded. I mean, I was listening. I was listening to the game on the radio. Yeah. But um, you know, when I when I heard he was doing that, I'm like, why? Is he, makes no sense. And nine Whatever. sacks, and you don't win the game. How the hell does that happen? Nine sacks. Um, what else? It was something else. Nine sacks and um, you hold them to nineteen points. Yeah. Oh, the and Bengals you just... rush and and you rushed for one hundred and forty yards. You think yeah. you won that game by thirty? Are the Bengals just like an anomaly to everything? Like, are they an outlier? Because we've been talking about it since freaking draft day when they were saying, you know, Jamar Chase, they were going to pick him. We were like, no, get the offensive lineman. They need offensive line, and the offensive line hasn't been great still. I mean, we like we just said, they got sacked nine times, and they're in the AFC Championship game. So uh, it could come back to haunt them. You know, yeah, okay, it's right. It can only right get now. them so far, kind of a thing. But still, it's unbelievable. You know, you know my philosophy. I I would have taken the offensive lineman. So yeah, I know they were considering Slater. I remember that Slater was you know all pro this year, second team all pro. Um, Penny Sewell, you know, he's with the Lions. He didn't have that great of a rookie year, but the potential that guy has is yeah, unbelievable. He really does with the think. Lions anyways. Yeah. So I would have taken the offensive lineman, but that's just me. Yeah. I mean, so would I. I, I Still today, told, I would redo it, and I, I would take I would take Slater. If I was the Bengals, I don't know about that. Like, if you, you know, if I knew Jamar Chase was going to be as good as he is, I'd probably still take – I'd take Jamar Chase. But – if you put me in that same situation at that time, yeah, I take the offensive lineman because I think a left tackle is more important than a wide receiver. Especially when you have two talented wide receivers. Well, with how talented Jamar Chase is and the chemistry between those two. They played in college yeah, together, one. by the way. I don't know if you knew that. Really? Yeah. Wait, yeah. really? Yeah, they, they don't talk Where'd about they go? for some reason. Where'd they go? Games. I don't know. Uh, I don't even remember. Yeah, I don't know. Louisiana team. State? Some per- yeah, something that. like that. Yeah. I mean, Jesus Christ! You want to make it any more obvious every time they freaking play? Well, annoying. Did you see that the Evan McPherson uh, story is great? Yeah. Um, Evan McPherson, rookie kicker from Florida, has been great all season long. Money all season long. He was great in the game. He hit a couple of field goals. He comes out to hit the fifty-two, uh, the 
52-yard field goal to win the game, send them to the AFC Championship game. He takes a couple of swings on the sideline. He go, He looks at Brandon Allen as he's walking out to go make the kick. He goes, ah, looks like we're going to the AFC Championship game. <laughs> goes out there, drills a 52-yarder. I love that story. I yeah. absolutely love That's that story. Baller. Go on, call your shot. And now they open up as seven-point dogs on the yeah. road in Kansas City. i tell you something right now. I don't know who I like in the AFC. I the don't 49ers, know. The 49ers are going to the Super Bowl. I like that pick. But, yeah, I don't – like I said, I'm – I'm retired. I am retired, so I'm not going to stress about it too much. But seven points is a lot. But then again, I could see the Chiefs just rolling over them. And I know they lost them in the regular season, but – in Cincinnati, I I don't know. It's it'll be it'll be a good game. I don't know. I, I'm not even touching that yet. I'm gonna give my and brain a break. How about Zach Taylor, man? Who was on the hot seat a little bit after last year? They were talking about, him. Yeah, they were talking about firing him after one year, but they held on to him, and now he's in the AFC Championship game. So good for him. I disliked him. I would have fired him. Um, I was wrong. Good for. Uh, Good for Zach. Very quickly, um, Sean Payton. Uh, it's no guarantees going back. The owner really has no clue what's happening there. Um, Dallas is always a rumor with this guy. I mean, they he coached there. Uh, Jerry Jones has a ton of respect for him, and Jerry Jones has said he's waiting to make his decision on his head coach. You know, it makes perfect sense if Payton was to leave. They fire McCarthy and they hire Sean Payton. Um, the Giants hired a what? That's a Jerry Jones move. You don't think it's a good move? No, it's a good move, but that's like the type of move that Jerry Jones would make. Well, if he can make it, I I like the Jerry Jones move. Yeah. Uh, the Giants hired a general manager on Friday, Joe Shane. Joe Showing. Joe Showing. Shane. I, there are so many different ways I've heard people say it. Uh, the uh, Bills assistant general manager. Uh, that was on Friday, and um, they are interviewing head coaches right now. Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator from the Bills, seems like the favorite. I would love that. Uh, be the head coach, bring over Ken Dorsey, the off- the quarterback's coach, to be the offensive coordinator. And I just saw something, Wink, uh, Wink, uh, what, how do you say his last name? The former Wait, defensive Martindale? coordinator. Yes, Martindale. Um, from, he got released from the Ravens. Yep. Bring him over. That's a that's a fantastic uh, coaching staff right there. That's a dream scenario right there. That would me. that would be pretty nice for them. Um, but that's gonna be all the time I think we've got for football because we've got a lot of baseball to do too. Yeah, we, we do. Took we got up a nice. Yes, yeah, so we got our list: top ten center fielders. It's a pretty loaded list. We're very excited about that. And of course, the Hall of Fame announcement is going to be. Uh, Tuesday at was like six seven p.m. Or, so I think four o'clock it ends, but I don't know if that's when they announce it. I'm not sure. I think they start their four hour thing at four p.m. Yeah, like the MLB Network does like four hours, so we'll get to that when we come back after this. The S and Podcast Channel, the perfect channel for any style of podcast. We have all different pop culture style podcasts for all of your listening needs. If you would like to start a podcast, you can reach us at s and podcast at gmail.com. We are always looking for new podcasts to add to our channel, and the topic could be anything you want. So contact us now. 
Here we go. We are back to Hardline Sports Talk, episode 52. We've got our list, top 10 center fielders in baseball. I started last time, so I'm going to let you start this time. That is so sweet. I actually started the last two times. I didn't say anything. Oh, okay. So then the next two times I'll start. It's it's so nice of you, Michael. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, so really loaded position here. Um, Let's just get right to it. I'm going to start us off number 10. I got a guy who's currently still on the market, Chris Taylor, formerly of the Los Angeles Dodgers, possibly going back. Who knows? I think um, he's going back. I don't think so, but I think it's no. I think he's back. Um, no, I I think he signed there. I think he's. I think they he, signed a contract. I'll look it up. You go. I, I don't. I don't think he did. But anyways, um, three point one F WAR last year, one thirteen WRC plus. Yeah. Uh, the numbers were a little underwhelming, honestly. Like, I thought he was going to be a lock on this list, and he did end up making it. But when I looked up his numbers, I was like, damn, kind of disappointed. Um, 113 WRC plus isn't anything that pops off the page too much. But I debated putting Kike Hernandez on this list. Um, even Miles Straw had a nice year for the Astros, but... Taylor Taylor sneaks in at number 10. You know, it's funny. I had Taylor on here, and I also had Ramon Laureano, but they both got taken off. Kike was 10 for me. Okay. Um, but okay with that. I mean, the, the last guy I had on was um, was Taylor, and I took him off. So what happened? I love him. Did he sign or not? He did, yeah. Four he years, did. 60 million. Yes. What? Told you, yes. Four years, 60 million. Okay, I missed that. Mm-hmm. Miss, miss a lot. I'm kidding. Um, Kike Hernandez is 10 on my list. I really like Kike Hernandez. Uh, he had 20 home runs last year at a 786 OPS. Um, he stepped up big time for the Boston Red Sox last year. And he was like, he went on a tear, especially at the oh, end yeah. of the year. He was one of the main reasons why they got so hot at the end and ended up making the uh, wild card. He was unbelievable last season for them. Um, they got him. Was that his first year with them? Yes. Yeah. He had like his uh, Randy Rosarina impression in the all in the postseason. He was knocking the, yeah. off the ball. He was. Um, he wasn't very good with the Dodgers in nineteen and twenty. No. Um. But just came over here, man. Came over to Boston. Kind of found his spot. Very, very good for him. Boston. You want to hear something funny? I, I've told you this. Our friend Trevor um, goes to school, you know, at uh, Manhattanville, and his friend. His friend, she is first cousins with Kike Hernandez. So she was given our oh, friend, our friend, updates on, you know, where he was going to sign. And the Mets were one of the teams that he was thinking about signing with. Yeah. And uh, he ended up going to the, uh, the, to the Red Sox. So Kike Hernandez, Enrique. How do you say Enrique? Enrique Hernandez. Enrique Hernandez is 10 on my list. Yeah, uh, speaking of the Mets, number nine, yeah, baby. Nimmo. Yeah, uh, baby, let's go. Brandon Nimmo's got some freaking impressive numbers, actually. Uh, 3.5 F war, and he only played 92 games last year. Um, a 137 WRC plus and a 349 X Woba. So that's some, some impressive numbers for Brandon there. Um, the defense, it's never been amazing. He improved but last year. He improved last year. The defense was not horrible last year. So I want to see a full season out of Brandon Nimmo. Is he going to be in center field this year? I don't think so because they just got you know, Starling Marte. But um, 
yeah, I want to see a nice, fully healthy season out of Brandon Immel, and let's see if those those war numbers can traject nicely and get into the the five into the five range. So, Brandon Immel number nine. Yep, I got Brandon Immel at number nine as well. Um, he's going to be playing right field this year, but he did play um, the whole year in center field last season. Like you said, you said the numbers. He was he was really good when he played. He was one of the bright spots for this team. His ability to get on base is huge. Um, they signed um, they signed Stalin Marte, uh, and Marte should absolutely play center field. But Brandon Nimmo should lead off for this team. He's a weapon. He, I think his on-base percentage last year was 401. Um, I love him. I love him to death. He hustles, great player, uh, one of my favorite players on this team. He's fast when he walks. Yes, he's and when he gets hit by pitches, which he gets hit yeah. by pitches a lot. Yeah. Uh, just a really solid player. I'd, and like you said, I'd love to see a fully healthy year from him. Yep. Um, all right, we're gonna, this is like, from this point on to me, a lot of these guys are interchangeable. Um, not, I don't want to say interchangeable, but they're close, right? I'm fully confident that I got this right. So my number eight, uh, guy who had a big breakout year last year, I got Cedric Mullins of the Baltimore Orioles at my number eight, 5.3 F war, 136 WRC plus. Now the reason why I have him lower then um, some people may have him. Um, I don't really buy it, to be honest with you. Like, I buy oh. that he's a good player. I don't buy that he's a 5.3 war player every year. Um, kind of got lucky last year when you look at all his, his uh, you know, uh, stat cast stuff and his baseball savant page and everything like that. I like to look at that stuff. Didn't really have anything that popped off the page in terms of hard hit rate and exit velocity and stuff like that. Um, so he's a good player fast. His arm is one of the worst in the league. He has a very weak arm in center field, but he's still definitely a good player. One I'd like to have on my team, but I'm, I'm going to leave him at eight. Boy, you're going to be surprised where I have him on my list. Okay. Like okay. you are going to be very surprised where I have him on my list. I'm very high on him. I really like Cedric Mullins. So um, you'll, you'll see. Uh, number eight, I have uh, – this might be low, I guess. Starling Marte, uh, new wow. center fielder. Um, listen, Marte had, in my opinion – listen, when the Mets signed him, I wasn't ecstatic because right. I do believe that this he is peaked. a guy – he peaked, he's older, he's dealt with injuries – but he did have a 5.5 war last year, a 134 WRC plus hit 12 home runs. Um, I think with him, as he gets older in his career, I think he's going to develop more of a power. He's 33. I think he's going to develop more power as he comes over to the Mets and, and less speed. Um, but listen, he hits for a high average. If he can get on base, that would, you know, at a higher clip, that would be great. But um, I I think this is a good spot for him. He's again, he's thirty three years old. Yeah, and he was he was he was good in um in uh twenty twenty as well. But yeah, I think this is a good spot for Marte. Um, maybe me projecting a little bit how I think the season's gonna go with him. Maybe he drops down a little bit again just because of age. If he was a year or two younger, I think I'd have him much higher on this list. Right. Um. All right. My number seven, I got Luis Robert of the Chicago White Sox. Luis Robert is a stud. I think that if he's up to freaking number two on this list next year, I would not be surprised. Even number one, it depends how much, one. how much trout plays, honestly, but 
Yeah, Luis Robert, 3.2 F war in only 68 games last year, a 157 WRC+. plus. Do I think that, like I just said, do I think he's more talented than a lot of guys on this list? Yes. But what do we take into account when we're making these lists? We take into account track record, and you know, just how much have they produced and everything like that. So the production hasn't been there yet for him. His, his rookie year was 2020. He didn't really put the bat together yet that year. Um, and then this year, he definitely put the bat together, but he only played 68 games. So if that's a full season, he's way higher on this list, but only 68 games of big production from that bat. I'm, I'm, I'm leaving him at seven. I love him. You know, I love him and he's going to be on this list in a little bit. My number seven, and this might come off as controversial, but you know what? I, I don't really care. I have Byron Buxton at number seven. <laughs> His ability to stay on the field, you know, has really hindered him. I mean, he just signed a contract, uh, seven years, about $100 million. And with the start that he got off to last season and even, you know, the way he played, you know, well, started really in 2020, he could get a big-time contract, but he can't stay on the field. I mean, last season he had in 61 games at 19 home runs, about uh, a 306 had a 169 WRC plus and a 4.2 war. Yeah. Unbelievable. But it's the same old crap with this guy. He can't stay on the field. So until he proves that he's staying there. Um. All right. Well, I'm doing the first ever. This is the first ever time. I think I've done this in this segment. Um. I'm making up my own rules right now. I changed my mind. Luis Robert is actually my number six now Um. because I don't know. I just don't, I don't, the way it came out of my mouth, it doesn't feel right. And I want my list to be perfect. So, okay. Louise Roberts now number six, my number seven going back. Now we're going reverse is Starling Marte. We were talking about him before um, yep. 5.5 F war last year. Never really plays to that level. Usually he's usually around a mid three war player, which is nothing to frown upon. That's a good player in the MLB. That's a borderline all-star level player, but yeah, like you were saying, I don't think he's going to do that this year with the Mets, I think he'll still be a productive player for them, but um, kind of had a bit of an outlier season last year, which isn't his fault. He played well, you know, what else do you want him to do? <laughs> but the way I see it with his track record and how talented I think he is, I think seven's the right spot for him. So Byron, he also uh, Byron. Starla Marte is my new number seven and Luis Robert is my new number six. He stole a ton of bags too last year. Mm-hmm. He, I think he stole like, it was like 50 or 60 bags last year which he definitely helped that. yeah listen if he could do that for the Mets this year I'm not going to be complaining <laughs> but um I just I'm not expecting I'm not getting my hopes up yeah all right my number six correct yep my number six is Cattell Marte might seem a little low but um you know what I, I, I had to move somebody up uh Cattell Marte last season in 90 games 14 bombs he batted 318 had a 139 wrc plus and a 2.9 f war a guy that could play center field a guy that could play second base he's always talked about you know as a as a big trade piece um yeah the yankees you know i've been hearing we've been hearing about that for a really long time but the eight the the diamondbacks excuse me would never give him up just because he's so young he's on a very team-friendly contract and it would just cost so much to get him away from there. Uh, he's a very good player. He's young still. And uh, I think six is a good spot, though. He's also had a little trouble uh, staying on the field. Yeah. 
Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Uh, my number five is Catal Marte. You just went over the numbers. Uh, had a very good year last year, but um, yeah, didn't wasn't able to stay on the field. Only played 90 games, but the OPS was 909. Uh, 2020, weird year. We always talk about that. Wasn't a great year for him, but yep. 2019, he was unbelievable. I think he finished fourth in MVP voting his OPS. 7F7 seven seven war. 970, yes. Yeah, 7F war, so... He was phenomenal that year. Um, and, yeah, like you said, he's a very valuable player. He can play multiple positions. He's a switch hitter. He's on that team-friendly contract. Um, yeah, uh, he's a really nice player, and I think five is exactly where he should be. All right. My number five is Luis Robert. Uh, you know how I feel about Luis Robert. I am just full-blown in love with this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, he had, I'm on, I'm on baseball reference right now for this one. I don't know why I just had him typed in there. He had a 3.6 B war last year, 13 home runs. He batted 338, uh, 155 OPS plus with a 946 OPS. This was all in where we see game 68 games. I, this guy could be, when we talk about the best young players in baseball, we talk about Acuna and, you know, Trout and so I mean not Trout, Trout. Soto and Soto. Judge. We we don't talk about and Tatis. We don't talk about this guy enough. He is that talented. If he stays on the field, if he's healthy, he's that good. He could be in that conversation. And you said he could be one or two on this list. He could take over the number one spot on this list if he has a fully healthy season. That's how good he is. I'm very high on Luis Robert. We're going to draft him this year in fantasy too. Yeah, I, I, I don't hate that idea. Um, Luis Robert, this is going to be everybody's sexy MVP pick this year. And rightfully should so. be. He's, he's Might be mine. Might be um, mine. By the way, you mentioned Aaron Judge when you're talking about the nice young players in baseball. Did you mean to say Aaron Judge? Because he's like six years in and he's like 28. Yeah, you know, I, I said Aaron Judge. I was just thinking of right fielders and I went yeah. down the list. I almost said Bryce Harper, too. <laughs> I, I um, oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. Um, <laughs> all right. Number four. I have Byron Buxton at number four. And wow. I'm a little bit more of a believer in him than you are. You were talking about his injuries and everything. And rightfully so he has struggled with staying on the field. Um, the season he had last year, you went over the numbers. Absolutely insane. 4.2 F war is a really good season for a lot of players. It's, it's more war than some guys on this list. And he did that in only 61 games. So he is the definition of a five tool player. Um, he's the, one of the fastest guys in the league. He's one of the best defenders at that position in the league. And last year he was one of the best bats at that position in the league when he was on the field. So if Byron Buxton can finally do it and stay fully healthy, I really want to see the way that turns out. But number four is it's where I got him. Maybe I was, maybe I was a little harsh on him. I mean, I'm not going back obviously. Cause I think I have, I think I have in the right spot. Again, if he's healthy, he's that good. Mm-hmm. He is very, very good. All right, number four. I mean, you know, you're going to be shocked. I have uh, Cedric Mullins up here at number four. He's 27 years old, lefty bat. He hit 30 home runs for the Baltimore Orioles uh, last season with a 136 WRC plus and a 5.3 F4. I was very impressed by him. Uh, he st- stole 30 bases as well. You know, a very fast guy. I don't know. I, I, I think this is for real. I, I do. I think they have a very, you know, 
good young player there. I remember, you know, looking on Twitter before um, the lockout, teams were calling about him. There was a very high price, but there was a ton of interest there. So clearly, you know, teams are very interested in him. I'm I'm buying the stock on Cedric Mullins. I have him up over here at four. Um, that that's all right. I'm I'm not buying the stock. So you're we'll selling. See, we'll see. You're who selling after money. a great year. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, do listen. Do I think he's gonna fall off and be awful like he was before? Then I don't think so. But I'd be surprised if he's putting up another five war season. But I think there's a chance we have the same top three. My number three, George Springer of the Toronto Blue Jays. Uh, 2.4 F war last year. Didn't really play a lot, though. He had a 6.4 war in 2019. That was his last fully healthy season. Uh, 140 WRC plus, 358 X-Woba. Probably the second best bat at this position uh, in terms of track record. But the defense isn't all that great. Um, Defense last year was not good at all, honestly. I wouldn't be surprised if they play him more in the corner outfield positions next year. And give my boy Randall Gritchick a little more time. But, oh, there we go. I'm uh, surprised you know, he didn't make his way yeah, out of the Not a real mention, Randall Gritchick. No, he's, <laughs> I, I haven't gotten a number one yet. Oh, okay. Um, sorry. <laughs> yeah, but George Springer, listen, I think a lot of people would have him number two. Um, I don't, obviously. The defense is what scared me away there because I think the guy who I have above him is a better defender than him, and the bat is just about as good. So, George Springer is third. Yeah, I agree. I have George Springer at number three as well. Uh, this is a guy I wanted the Mets to sign. Um, when he came back from injury this year, he went on a tear. He had, I mean, he had 22 home runs. He was fantastic for the Blue Jays. Um, you know, you read off the stats. He's Listen, I really like George Springer. I know he comes from the Astros over there, but always seemed like a really good leader and uh, a guy that I wanted on my team badly. Uh, he took, you know, more years and more security out there in uh, Toronto, but a guy that could still really, really hit. The defense, you know, it was kind of known, you know, when you were going to sign him and, you know, a year or two into the contract, you remove you were moving him to the corner. Right. And listen, that's okay. There's yeah, it's fine. Of, there's plenty of corner outfielders out there that, you know, are really good bats and they have a very good defensive center fielder next to them. So I mean, listen, we, we might like be that. putting him if he's goes to right field. I mean, he might be on a very talented list of top 10 right fielders. Next yeah. year. All right. Number two, I'm guessing this is your number two because it's yep. really the only guy left because we all know who number one is uh, Brian Reynolds of the Pittsburgh pirates guy who is, very early in his career, and I'm praying that the New York Yankees trade for this man because I think oh, yeah. he is available on the trade market, and he's only 26 years old. Um, a 5.5 F war last year, 142 WRC plus, and a 385 X Woba, which is very impressive. Um, yeah, Brian Rollins put it together last year. He had a really nice 2019. The average was up. The power wasn't exactly there yet. Then 2020 was really bad for him, but like we always say with this list 2020 is a wash um last year ops in the 900s batting average over 300 he's a switch hitter he can hit for power now he can steal bags he's a good defender he's the complete package i love brian reynolds uh and he is number two underrated not many guys know about him he's number two obviously on my list and uh you know a guy that started in the all-star game last year Mm -hmm. um 
he's an impressive bat. And uh, if the Yankees got him, they'd pay a big time price to go get him. I think the Pirates were the first team, like of all time, to have two All Star game starters and be horrible the way they were. Right? They were because they, they had Frazier too. Yeah. And what's funny is Frazier was kind of like their, um, their like pity All Star starter. Right. And then, but Reynolds, somebody got hurt and then Reynolds like jumped in at in center field, but like yeah. he should have actually started. Yeah. And Frazier was good too up until the All Star, but he was fantastic. He was mm-hmm. hitting over, you know, 320. But all right. And the big reveal, no surprise to anybody. Number one, Mike Trout. Jeff uh, McNeil. Oh. Well, regarded as the best player in baseball for year after year. I think this year is finally when people are going to challenge that um, because he's had the injuries and whatever. And, you know, you have your Shohei Otani's and whoever is first Juan Soto's. came onto the scene. Right. And played really well. So we'll see when we, when we do our little summary at the end, we said, we're going to do our top 10 players in baseball in general. We'll see where we have them. Um, but there's no doubt when he's on the field, I mean, 2.3 F war in 36 games is <laughs> insane. Um, that's a month really, uh, 190 WRC plus 423 X Woba. He's a guy fully healthy season. He's putting up 10 war, which is, MVP. Well, yeah. Is that what that, is that what it would have equated to last uh, season? How many months are there in a baseball season? 36 April, times two, 72, 144. Four, two point three. That's four point six, nine point two. Yeah, he'd have like a nine point six WAR, something like wow. that. Wow! Look at that math. That was very impressive. Yeah, come on. You know I got the the math brain. Mm. Um, yeah, Mike Trout, absolute stud. The, the fact that he's the his challenger, probably greatest challenger for the greatest player in baseball, is his teammate, is insane. And the Angels still somehow are not making the playoffs Terrible. every single year. So they got to figure that out. Maybe it was due to their former GM who's now running the show in New York, Billy Epler. Maybe he's got something to say about that, but it wasn't, it wasn't Billy. It wasn't Billy. It wasn't Ep dog, but Mike Trout number one. Yep. And uh, I concur. Uh, you want to read them off? Yeah. So uh, 10 to one, Chris Taylor, Brandon Nemo, Cedric Mullins, Starling Marte, Luis Robert, Cattell Marte, Byron Buxton, George Springer, Brian Reynolds, Mike Trout. All right. Mine is Kike Hernandez, Brandon Nimmo, Starling Marte, Byron Buxton, Ketel Marte, Luis Robert, Cedric Mullins, George Springer, Brian Reynolds, and Mike Trout. That is our top. What's what's next? What's next time? We got uh right fielders, the, the right best fielders. position in, in baseball. I can't wait for that. The big one, the big granddaddy of them all. Yep. Very excited for that. Um, all right. Let's move into our next discussion here and our last discussion. Actually, no, let's start off not the last discussion. Very quickly, the players and the owners met today, and they actually had a positive outcome. Woo! See what happens when everybody gets along? It was good. The players basically conceded on their um, stance on the revenue sharing. And I think the um, the free agency, the, the, the free agency like age thing, that was a horrible idea. Yeah, they gave in on that. So there's still a lot more to go, but it was a good day, and they're meeting tomorrow, two days in a row, which is, which is, which is a good thing. Fingers crossed. Uh, please, just baseball on time. But 
Yeah, I mean, we're not going to give our breakdown of this. We don't know what the hell's going on in those negotiating rooms. All we know is cooler heads need to prevail. And, you know, for the greater good, you need to come to a decision here because this is ridiculous. Like, stop acting like children. The players conceded on some things. Now the owners got to concede on some things. You know, when mm-hmm. you negotiate, you got to give up some things to get. So let's hope this has worked out quickly and we can – I mean, God forbid, got spring training on time, but hopefully just start the season on time. That would be pretty nice. Yep. Um, okay, now next, the Hall of Fame uh, announcement is going to come tomorrow. I don't know the exact time, Tuesday. Uh, I, I, mean, I think it's in the evening. From my past experiences, I think it's in the evening. Yeah. But um, just a quick update on the ballot here. So if you don't follow him, at not Mr. Tibbs, um, he does a very good job of um, keeping track of the known ballots, you know, that people post or whatever, or he has access to. So he posts them and like does this whole Microsoft um, Word Excel thing, and he puts it all into a graph, and he's got all the numbers right here. So of the 178 public ballots, that's about 48%. Barry Bonds is tracking at 77.7%. He would need 725 percent of the remaining ballots to vote him in to you know be over the, the threshold is obviously 75 percent to get in so um barry bonds is at 77.7 right now clemens at 76.6 and david ortiz 84.6 and those are the only guys uh you know right there a rod first time on the ballot 39 yeah point nine he's eliminated he's not making it the big poppy thing makes no sense to me because I understand that he was never like officially proven to have taken steroids, but he was on the Mitchell report. So I don't want to go on about this because it's, you know, a, 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 a argument of hypotheticals, but I am of the stance and I've changed my opinion about this a couple of times. If you took steroids, I think you shouldn't get it. And I know, I know to some people that might be like, really? Yeah, that's a big deal. But do I think Barry Bonds, if he never took steroids, he would be a hall of fame caliber player? Yeah, no doubt. Same thing with a rod, same thing with a lot of these guys, but you took them. So I think they should be, they should stay in the record books. Right? How many, you know, all those all-time records, keep them fine. Barry Bonds, all-time home run leader, whatever. The numbers are fine. But the Hall of Fame is in a power ranking, right? It's a, it's an, an enshrinement. It's an award. It's a whatever. It's a, 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 cl- a, a, cl- it's a glorified country club, right? So I don't think they should be in there because at the end of the day, you cheated. They were some of the greatest players of all time. You know, A-Rod, one of them, obviously Barry Bonds, Roger Clemens, one of the best pitchers of all time. It's not the Hall of Integrity. If it was the Hall of Integrity, keep wherever you want out, right? This is the Hall of Fame. You cannot rewrite the history of baseball without these guys. And Yeah, I don't... That point, I, you say that all the time, and I don't. I know get I that do. Point though, like if I went back and rewrote the history of the last twenty years of baseball, right? How many times is A Rod's name coming up? 
Right. And you can rewrite that and have that in all the record books and everything like that. Like I just said, but when you want to put them on a plaque in the hall of fame, I don't see why you need to do that because we can, like I just said, we can say, Oh, Barry Bonds was going to be a really good player either way, but we don't know that for sure because he took steroids. So we may say, Oh, he was still going to be really good, but none of us will ever know. That's a guarantee or know what, what the, his numbers would be. What about the guys already in the Hall of Fame that have been suspected of it? What about the guys even from, you know, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, 60 years ago? We have no clue what, what was taking I, place. I then. get that. I get that. But I think at one, like, I think there are guys that snuck in. I mean, you know, there's been rumors about Pudge Rodriguez and Mike Piazza and whoever. Yeah. But those guys weren't officially proven. Like these guys were officially proven and it, it it's kind of a, we can stop it at one point kind of a thing. And I think that's where you do it because Barry Bones can be the first guy to get in now. This is going to be open the floodgates. Now this, he's going to be the first guy who is flat out proven busted that he took steroids and he's going to get in. So he's not going to, he's not getting in. You don't think so. You think he's, he's still going to fall short. Yeah, he's going to fall short. A lot of these ballots that are not uh, made public usually lean toward um, old, old, old guys. school guys, you know, not. And I'm always, I'm always, I'm not a traditionalist in any of my sports opinions usually, but this is one of those things where I've changed my this is old school a couple of times, but I really think if you cheated, you shouldn't, you don't deserve it. Um, like you know, David Ortiz has been suspected of it for a while. Like you said, he's going to get in first ballot Hall of Famer, and then you got a guy like A Rod who's not. You know, we disagree here. I'm I'm pro steroid guys. Um, these are some of the greatest players of all time. You know, I don't know exactly how steroids work, but you know, we saw Barry Bonds before the steroids. We knew when he was not on steroids and he was a fantastic player and, and we knew he was a fantastic what, it, what is now right you still have to have some kind of ability like yes it made him of course stronger. you have to have the ability to be a fantastic but i mean a rod worked his ass off listen i understand got. exactly what you're saying and i agree with you like i said i'm gonna repeat it but i'm just trying to you know bounce off what you just said Barry Bonds would still be a really good player, but we will never know how good or not good he would have been if he didn't take steroids. And that's why I think you shouldn't get in because you cheated and your numbers are inflated forever because you ended up taking steroids. It's going to be interesting. You know, I think your side's, I think your side's going to win. I don't think they're going to get in, but uh, I'm very excited for the announcement and, uh, I love baseball talk. You know, we, I miss yeah. it already. We've been a month and a half of nothing, just absolutely nothing. And now we, you know, maybe we're getting back to it. You know, we still got a bunch of free agents, you know, that need to sign big frenzy. I mean, I think February 15th is the date that um, pitchers and catchers report. So they're going to, if they want to get this season started on time, they're going to have to, um, get something maybe like a week before then but uh i don't know maybe we'll i think get a little you know we always complain that the mlb free agency isn't like the nfl or the nba maybe we'll get a little something 
like that where there's freaking 10 signings in one day and oh you're gonna get you're gonna get another frenzy you're definitely gonna get another frenzy we're gonna see me carlos carlos correa is still available see what happens trade trevor story there's a lot of michael conforto there's a lot of guys still out there clayton kershaw but um that's gonna do it for today's episode episode 52 done it was a crazy jam-packed episode um anything you gotta say no, just uh, happy to announce my retirement and um, no, from gambling, of course, from gambling. Yes. Not from the show. Never. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm looking forward to another great week of sports. I hope so. We will talk to you guys next time.